Welcome to TFD Talks Education. Today, I am joined by Kurt Slayer, Principal at Wyoming Elementary in the great state of Minnesota. Hi, Kurt. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Tyler? I'm doing well. What's the weather like in Minnesota today? You know, it's actually sunny and it's supposed to be a high of 65, so in Minnesota, we're loving it. That sounds a lot nicer than here within the St. Louis area. And I, I was in Minnesota a while ago on a, on a business trip, and it was uh, Mall of America. It's a big deal there, but man, it was, it's cold up there. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been so chilly that uh, the best way I can um, tell you is that the Twins, the Minnesota Twins are doing really well this year. And uh, they, they, did, they advertised last week to the rest of the seats that were left for five bucks for the month of May just because it has been a little bit chilly. So, but it's sold out now, so everyone, everyone likes a good deal. Well, that's great. All right, well, I, I came across your information on the NESP website. It was just kind of interesting background. So why don't you, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of where you're at in your career, what you think might have kind of got you there, a little bit of upbringing that might have impacted some of what got you to where you are today. Yeah, you know, I think we all have a story. Um, an interesting thing about when you're in education, um, everyone has usually went through education, so they can talk about, you know, I could ask you your favorite teacher in elementary or high school or someone that had that impact. And, uh, you know, I was the type of kid that um, asked for love in, in very mysterious ways, getting a lot of mischief. Uh, grew up in a little bit of a dysfunctional home, which I think all families are dysfunctional in some ways or another. Ours was just a little bit uh, tainted with alcohol and, and drug abuse. Um, and so with that, um, when you're around that type of environment, um, you create maybe some poor social skills that other other people might expect something different, but I would take those lessons I learned at home with maybe an abusive dad or a little disruptive dinner, um, and I would take those same skills back to school, not knowing um, that what I was living in was maybe a little bit different than what other people. I just always loved my mom and dad, still love them today, and just thought that was normal childhood, what we were dealing with. I went to Dayton Elementary, a small little uh, town um, north of Minneapolis, and uh, Grew up only a couple blocks from school, so when I get suspended or kicked off the bus, I did a lot of walking to school, which wasn't always bad. But I was the type of kid that most teachers didn't want to see on the class roster that next year. Kind of like I, the, the stories traveled well with me. I, I had a big heart, um, but I just um, not always probably the best academic student in the sense of um, being respectful and polite and all of those things. Went. Uh, did okay. Luckily, I, I'm a big guy. I'm about six seven, uh, shrinking these days. Maybe down to about six six. But uh, uh, because of that, was pretty good at sports and um, found that a lot of people uh, went out of their way to help me because of some of my athletic ability. Is kind of as I reflect on it now. But I uh, had a lot of strong teachers, and that's where the passion for me. Um, once I was able to go to college, kind of like just I love the feeling of making a difference with kids. And um, so I went into education, did fairly well uh, high school-wise, and um, went and played basketball at Morehead State, which is a college just on the border of uh, North Dakota in the, in the town called Fargo, popular for a movie, yeah, um, yeah. in Minnesota. So about three hours away from Minneapolis, three and a half hours from Minneapolis, and played basketball there and went into elementary ed. And my dream was always to come back and give back to the community where I went to school. And fortunately, I was lucky to come back and be a teacher at Coon Rapids Middle School. Um, uh, Anoka is the Halloween capital of the world for your listeners. So if anybody ever wants a, a, a great, uh, fun time uh, to come to Minnesota in, in October, great fall weather, but they also you could uh, experience the Halloween capital of the world. And um, was a sixth grade teacher for seven years. And in that time, it sound, seems like, you know, being a male teacher, 
I was getting more and more of the difficult kids that were really struggling, which I had a connection with because I had my own personal story, but found that I could maybe do more if I went into like being an assistant principal or something to help those kids. I really had a passion for the kids that weren't being successful in the class. And from there was uh, assistant principal for uh, 14 years in a middle school at three different places. And then I uh, decided to try something different four years ago and went to the elementary world and uh, where I am now at Wyoming Elementary um, and just north of uh, St. Paul, about uh, 40 miles in a small uh, blue collar working community that uh, is just really a delight to work for. One thing that stood out to me is kind of a little bit of the, the upbringing and some of the challenges you faced with, uh, as you kind of turn your dysfunctional family situation growing up, uh, look back a little bit uh, with some hindsight, do you feel that in some ways you can see now that really gave you some, some different kinds of skills that really are useful today, kind of resilience or pushing through or maybe seeing some situations where someone might think of so the world didn't work out for me, I'm never going to do anything where you thought differently than that. Or maybe, does that make any sense? Kind of, yeah, yeah, no, and I think probably one of the biggest things that I've figured out is that um, children don't come with a, a user guide. You know, you know, if you if you as a parent um, are start to struggle or, you know, what's interesting is that I have three kids and all three kids are so different. But like when you're a young parent, you're thinking, okay, they're all going to go through the baby stage and then go through this stage. And, and so what I've found that um, not only am I able to do that with our students around what you're talking a little bit about making that connection and, and telling them a little bit my story and having empathy for them, mm -hmm. knowing that every child has their own story. Uh, but the bigger part is getting families in and, and, and working with moms and dads and saying, hey, you're going to go through this stage. You know, and that, that definitely was a lot of my work at the middle school level. When you're talking about sixth, seventh, and eighth grade students, those are, that's that 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old range. They're all going through puberty, adolescence. You know, they're starting to rebel against the adults that love them the most. And how do you work with families when – you know, everybody at that point in time, and it's interesting, I think, in society, when things go wrong, we always look for someone to blame instead of looking for our ownership. So a lot of times I just tell parents, you know, the answers within this room, um, we, we are the adults here. So what can we do to, to help you with this? And never making that phone call when I need to make those phone calls about like, I'm calling to shame someone. Mm -hmm. I'm calling to say, hey, we have this going on at school, and we could really use your support. When do you have time to talk? And, and I, I think parents have appreciated that. But also, I think the struggle has been um, for those families that want to be the, the principal to be punitive, you know, they, 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 you know, Tyler, you, you went to school and maybe if you, your mom would see you with the, you know, and you see the principal, she'd say something like this. I hear it all the time. Tyler, you see that Mr. Slater right there, he's a principal and I don't want to ever see you in his office. <laughs> I don't want to ever get a phone call from Mr. Slater. And I tell parents all the time is like that that's old school. Like I, I make positive phone calls every day. Um, if you do get a call from me, it's because I'm concerned. Um, but it doesn't, I don't want children afraid of me because I'm just another adult in their life that has the ability to um, maybe provide a little more support than other people because my schedule doesn't have, is not written by a bell. It's not, so my, my day is not by a bell written. So I, I'm able to, to be proactive. So as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to be heading outside to set up a little bit of a soccer obstacle course because our kids are struggling playing soccer because there's all the rules. But mm -hmm. what, what skill development can I do? So trying to be proactive also is looking at, you know, all kids want to be engaged. They want to have it. They want to be successful. No one wakes up in the morning. Like you didn't wake up this morning and say, gosh, I hope I can really mess up this interview with Kurt Slater today. I hope it just is the worst thing ever. Yeah. But 
when, when times get tough, then where do we go? Who's in our corner? What, what can we do that, hey, this isn't going the way, I, the way I had it planned. And I don't think any teacher wakes up any morning wanting to create a miserable learning environment for kids. And so it's that positive mindset that we have to have mm-hmm. in a very negative culture that we live in right now. Yeah, I think that's so important, a uh, mindset of, of people. Uh, once in a while, uh, I get two little kids, six and four, and my, my little girl's like, that's not fair. And I'll say, if you want life to be fair, you're, you're not going to get a whole lot of empathy from me. Like, we try to do what's right. We try to be, but life's going to be unfair lots of times. And I think kind of learning to cope because we're all dealt different things. Like, you're, you're a pretty tall guy. I'm kind of a tall guy. Uh, just the way that cookie crumbles sometimes we're dealt different hands and it's I've always thought it's more how you play the hand you're dealt versus controlling the hand you're dealt it's so much of it's so much of life because we're all got we're all good at some things we're all bad at lots of things and utilizing that combination to to get where it is you really want to go yeah it stood out uh because you talked about your you seem kind of really anti-punitive punishment which I think I is a is a is an interesting stance for for someone that probably deals a lot with with discipline type things with students and things like that. Have you always kind of been that way? Have you been life lessons or things that have molded you along the way that helped you get a little bit of that stance? No, I haven't always been that way. I mean, I just just so we're really clear. I, I mean, I grew up in a home that you know you did something wrong, the belt came out, and you know. Uh, and, and again, people, you know, believe in lickings or not lickings. I mean, I, I, I had respect for my dad, um, even if it was a little bit of fear, um, in my dad. Um, but again, I, I think the part where I've found is that I've asked a lot of people this question and I've wondered about it a lot. Uh, so I, I always look at what we tell our story, what scarred you, Tyler, you know, what, what's something that has scarred you along your journey? You know, and one of the scars that I have along my journey is I had a teacher and I'm not getting too specific so anyone can figure it out, but I had a teacher that when I misbehaved in her class, she made me read a book that was a grade level above my, my, my ability to read. Well, just to embarrass you, right? Yeah, so I had to stand in front of the class on a chair and I had to read the book. And, and at that point in time, like, like, like 10 years down the road when I'm in college and I was wondering like, hey, what? I wonder what book she read that that was a good intervention. You know, one of my favorite things, and this is going to age me, but as a kid, I loved Little House in the Prairie. And I always found it interesting when Willie had to put the dunce hat on in the one school room schoolhouse and said, hey, I wonder where I'm going to find that book to be like, hey, that dunce hat. I wonder, I wonder what, who read that and what the research was around it. But then I also look at what we've done in my journey in education. You know, I've looked at when, when does time heal any skills? You know, I, and, and I asked that, when, when does time ever, ever solve any behavior problems? So if you today do something really stupid and a police officer puts you in jail for a period of time, does that time change your way or what you did? Or does it just, is it just punitive? Do you lose your job or whatever else? And I'm not going to get into, you know, imprisonment or not imprisonment, but I just look at that whole part of, I remember many, many hours of not getting a math assignment done at Jackson Junior High and my consequences that I missed lunch with my peers. Mm-hmm. And I just never could figure out like how that <laughs> correlated. How did my math skills correlate with lunch? But they, but but at educators have always found let's take away what they love the most so that's Fayed or whatever their strengths are let's take that away and give them more time and then that's going to get better so I really found through trial and error that 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 suspending kids didn't work like I, I you know went through a process where I follow you know and I still suspend kids but you follow district protocol of when when we should and shouldn't suspend kids there are natural consequences that we have 
you know, school board policy in all of our schools. But when that kid comes back, so what? Now they, you know, for me, if you suspended me, I'm just going to talk about me. You suspend me back in the day. I went home to a dad that was going to give me a licking and then make me sit in my room and do chores and all that stuff around. But no one worked with me around the skill of why I got suspended. You know, so it's always that interesting thing. Like I got suspended because I was rude and disrespectful, but no one worked with me. Like here, here's some strategies on not being rude and disrespectful. So I just saw this crazy pattern. Like I could almost, I mean, like at my, before this time, I could almost pick the pattern of when a kid was coming to my office, when this was going to happen, when nothing was changing. And that's where I really started to look at restorative practices. And I really looked at, you know, taking the time to teach social skills and really to figure out the function of the behavior. So a lot of my time was spent with special ed students really figuring out that the ABCs of behavior, you know, the antecedent, the behavior, and then the, the really looking at, okay, what, what's next for that student. And so I've just found that I told my staff and I've told parents that the office, if you send a student to the office, you're asking for us to help change the behavior. You're not sending a student to the office because you want this punishment and you're following this flow chart and then this, this, and this is going to happen, but you're really looking for some help around that. And it correlates to what I need. You know, if I am struggling, hopefully who, wherever I'm struggling, if it's at home or at work or wherever, someone's going to look at me and say, Hey, this is why you're struggling, or this is why we think you're struggling. Let's work on some of these skills. And, and so that's really where I've found, you know, again, I, in there, I've put that I I've been training for 14 years, uh, something called PBIS. It's positive behavior intervention support. Your listeners can easily look up the national site. It, it's not necessarily brand new, but what it is, what it does is it gives schools a framework. It's not a program. You're not going to pay for it, but it's a, it's a framework of how you can support kids throughout their day. And I think that's what we have to do more of. We have to really look at a child that every kid is successful at times in their day and some kids are not successful, but a kid's not a bad kid all day. A kid doesn't have poor skills all day long. There's certain things that they're very successful at. And what's interesting is in the past, if you're, if Tyler struggles at reading, what happened in school when you were in school, we gave Tyler more reading, a little bit longer, a little bit louder, and it didn't change a lot of the results, but we never really figured out like, okay, what's Tyler's strengths? Well, Tyler's strengths is he loves football. So let's do some reading around some of football things. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, maybe Tyler might be a little bit more interested, but really tying that into some of your strengths and then working on that weakness instead of going right after the weakness all the time. And I, I think that's the same thing with academics as it was with behavior, that we have to use some of our strengths to support the weaknesses, but we do have to address the weakness. So some people might hear, oh, he's just a fluffy guy who wants all this stuff. It's like, no, I, I, I want to see data that supports success. I don't want to see any more dunce hats. You know? And so the challenge that I have is what do, where do we see dunce hats right now in education? I, I believe we see them in behavior charts. You know, when a teacher has a chart of behavior where every kid can see what, how that child's doing throughout the day, how does that change anything? That we can all see that Tyler, you know, didn't, you know, is blurting out, so now his clothespin moves up or down. I'm looking for the research to support that, but we see it in a lot of places in education. So I just think we have to look at those things and I always ask the question, if this would work, if this works with kids, it would also work with adults. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> would adults ever want to see a behavior chart where Mr. Slater has it in the, in the, you know, the, the honor room or staff lounge where I'm moving clothespins up and down on staff do, are doing um, throughout the year. And would that help that their peers will be able to recognize when you're struggling to come to work on time or, you know, all these other things that impact their life. Hmm. That's an interesting take. Yeah, interesting take. Something else you had mentioned on the pre-interview stuff is 
about how the principal role has evolved in, a, in the social media world and Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. Uh, there's always, everyone's got an HD camera in their pocket ready for whatever. Uh, you've been around the block a couple of times as things have evolved over the years. Uh, how do you think that has kind of changed and impacted your, your role, your effectiveness as an educator in the social media world? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, social media is positive and it's negative. Um, you know, the, the parts that I'll say to you that, that are, are super positive is that, that it gives schools opportunity to tell their stories. You know, I, I, I every day get to be in my school and see amazing things going on. And if I can take a picture and throw that on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, um, I can get 80 or 90 family members to see the great things that are going on. Mm -hmm. You know, some people like it and some people don't what's happening right now in education, but it's becoming very competitive. There's a lot of charter schools, a lot of other schools opening up. So no longer, you know, back in the day, people would move into an area and whatever yellow bus came by, that's where they sent their kids to school. You know, no longer is that the take, you know, parents are digging in and it's like a good restaurant. There's lots of different options and there's all the way from online options or you can, you know, go to this school or that school. And so I really try to make the positive so loud that we drowned out the negative because I can't always control maybe something that happens on the bus, a situation that happens there, but the parents can also use social media for that. They can put on there to say, Hey, did you hear Mr. Slater took away um, birthday cupcakes? I can't believe that, you know, he only did that because he's getting fat. And he doesn't want to be tempted every day with cupcakes. You know, I, I can't ever take that back when they, that goes out there and the 80 or 90 people that then comment about, you know, why, why schools should, you know, let kids have birthday treats or whatever, whatever the, the, the issue is with schools. So I, I, but I also think that it's social media is the opportunity to really celebrate all the things that we're doing. So at our school, if you put in hashtag Wyoming way, uh, again, our, our small town is Wyoming, Minnesota. It's not in the state of Wyoming. Um, but uh, if you put that in there, you're going to see all the great things that we're doing. Um, and really what the Wyoming means is that we take the time to uh, positively acknowledge each other for all of the things that we do every day. And so that's where it's kind of our positive message. Um, and then uh, the other thing I'd say about social media is it lets grandparents and other people that maybe don't live by us see some of the events. So I started to use Facebook Live this year. Um, again, you're down in St. Louis. We had several snow days in Minnesota this year across the country. I think there's a lot of snow days. Well, I took those days and just started reading books to kids and we really, was really surprised at how many people would go on Facebook Live and follow along as I was reading a book or I was riding an electric scooter around one day just showing the kids what you know I do on my off days when no one's around. Mm -hmm. But just letting them also see who we are. Uh, and then the other thing is, is that because we're a PBS school, um, we really believe in ROAR, which stands for uh, Wildcats Roar, which is, means they're respectful, we're on task, we achieve and we're responsible. But I love when parents tag us where their child is wearing one of our Wyoming shirts, catching a large fish at Walt Disney World, you know, all those other places that they're proud of where they go to school. And I think that being part of a community, you want to be proud of your schools. And that's a great way to do it with social media. I got you. Uh, one other thing, too, which I, which I really stood out to me as you talked about the, the take of mental health and how that is such an evolution. And, like, I personally believe, like, we, we still barely understand the mind and mental health now is just now starting to get attention and some empathy, maybe not understanding, but empathy at least. And how do you think that has played a role in, in, in your role there? Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is that um, I went to Anoka High School, and uh, I told you that Anoka is the Halloween capital of the world, but it was also one of the largest uh, mental health hospitals in the state uh, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s when I went to high school. 
And it was interesting because when I drive by it, when I was driving by it every day going to high school, we all had a very negative mindset of the hospital. That's where all the crazy people go. And if you're crazy, there's something wrong with you. I think the first thing that's great about society is that we're at least starting to talk about mental health. You know, I, I just had a chance to, to listen to um, some research out there. And, and I think it's like 48% of people, um, and we're sitting in this group as, as this professor's talking about, 48% of people are anxious um, in society right now. And so they said, look to the person to your left or look to the person to the right. And one of the three of you are anxious. You have anxieties, you have some, maybe some depression, whatever the case is. And that, that's pretty, that's pretty, um, not only scary. I mean, I shouldn't say scary, but it, it's pretty alarming to be like, what, what are we doing for that? You know, how are we doing to make sure people are in a good state of mind, ready to, you know, for school, we always say, are you ready to learn? And a lot of times in, in being part of Minnesota, nice is that, we say good morning to everyone and say yeah. something like this. Yeah. Tyler, good morning. How was your weekend? Mm-hmm. You know, and what's your answer? Fine. It was good. Well, Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Am I ready for you to say it was horrible? I was mm-hmm. depressed all weekend. I laid in bed. I mean, am I really ready for that other answer? And I think that we need to continue to look at those platforms, giving people that opportunity to say, hey, I didn't have a very good weekend. And here's, here's some of the things that I'm struggling a little bit. Um, Forest Lake Area Schools is doing a really good job with our health program, giving um, our staff the opportunity for some counseling appointments. And before, if you went to a counselor, there's always something wrong. You know, it's so funny when I say dysfunctional and I speak about that, people are like, oh, you, you had a really tough childhood. And I was like, well, if you look at all of our families, there, there, there's, we all have a story. You know, we all have a, you know, no matter if it's depression, if it's alcoholism, drug addiction, um, you know, uh, that whole thing of like when you talk about family dynamics is that we, we need to be there for each other during those tough times. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm excited that, that we're ready to start talking about mental health. I think now it's really like, how do we get the funding to support these things? Because most of our schools right now, I'd say almost all of them are under um, funded around counseling. You know, again, I'm at a building with 600 kids. We have one counselor. Well, I think for the elementary, it's, it's about a 250 to one ratio. You know, we, we yeah. almost need two and a half counselors, three counselors. Um, and so then how do we do that? Because then, you know, families are also looking for support outside and to hear the horror stories of kids trying to get support outside of school around the mental health. And they're saying, Hey, we're six months out. Well, you break your arm and you're six months out. I, I hate to tell you, your arm's never going to work again the correct way. Mm-hmm. We're doing that same thing with mental health. So we, we have a lot of work to do, but at least we're ready to start talking about it. Um, not only in our society, but as in schools and really starts, you know, opening that door to the people that need help. I've got gotcha. you. All right. Next section here, uh, which I, I did send these over to you, so you might have an idea of what you might say. You might not. Who knows on your personality type? But some questions that I'm gonna that I ask every every guest. Uh, six questions with an educator like yourself. Uh, if you could change one thing about education in the United States, what would it be? You know, I I really I, you know I, I'm not saying that money solves all things, but I I really think that. Um, getting equity around funding would, would be a huge, uh, a huge part for me. And the reason for that is that depending on where you live in Minnesota is based on our funding, the tax base by what, what things bring in. So, you know, in some, in some places you can go down the road and they have $3,000 per kid in their school. And in another school you can go to, they have $500 per pupil to, to provide that same education. So we have the same standards. We have the Minnesota state standards yeah. and we have all of these, we all take the same MCA test, which is the, uh, Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment, but we don't have the same funding. So I really would be looking at a fair and equitable way to make sure that kids are getting the needs that are met. And a lot of that sometimes is, is around funding. 